0: Hello, this is Robert Stearns. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in. I really believe that learning is one of the greatest joys in life. And one of the greatest ways to learn is simply to have meaningful conversations, both with those who come from a similar background as yours, as well as those whose background might be very different. So my hope is that as we connect and converse with leaders from all around the world, that we will learn and grow together. If you're new with us, hit the subscribe button and we'll deliver the new episodes to you right away. So wherever you are, on a run, in the car, at the kitchen table with some coffee, welcome to the conversation. And welcome indeed, friends, how are you? We have a wonderful rabbi, He's so warm-hearted. Um, he he just has such a heart of of caring and kindness. Rabbi Alex Lazarus Klein is with us from Congregation Sheer Shalom, right here in Western New York. Would you give a huge Eagles Wings welcome tonight to Rabbi Lazarus Klein? There he is. Hello, my friend. So good to see you. Uh,
1: The way you describe Sukkot, I thought you were a rabbi. Do you want to switch places? (laughs) There
0: you go. Well, you're very kind, my friend. I have to tell you every time I have the privilege and honor of speaking with you, I always have to think to myself of King David because uh, the biblical text tells us that King David had red hair. It says he was ruddy. And if you actually go into the Hebrew on that, it's actually saying that he was, you know, has a ginger, you know, complected. So you, you, you bear resemblance to your forebear, King David, my friend.
1: Yes, well, all, all great redheads in the,
0: in, throughout history. But also your, your beautiful congregation, which, of course, uh, we have a lot of our folks. Not all. We've got people from all across. Actually, we've got people who tune in weekly from Europe and everywhere. But if you are in Western New York, uh, Rabbi, your congregation is right there on Sheridan Drive. And um, such a beautiful name, Shir Shalom, uh, folks, it means the sawn of peace. So a congregation that brings the sawn of peace. Is that right, Rabbi? Yes, yes, exactly. It's our 10th year this year. I can't
1: believe it. 10 years ago, in 2012, we came together as a merger of two congregations.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And your leadership has been so vital, not only in that congregation, which has made such an impact in our region, but your your leadership is felt and known all throughout Western New York, and we're so grateful um, to have you in our community and to have you teaching us tonight. Folks, Rabbi's in the midst of all of the busyness of the High Holy Days. He just came out of Yom Kippur, uh, he, Rosh Hashanah, and he's in the middle of Sukkot, and Simchat Torah is around the corner, uh, and we've, we've got all kinds of questions, and yet here you are teaching us Goyim. Uh, And what what an honor it is that you'd be with us tonight. Rabbi, tell us, what are some of the key core components that Sukkot really wants to bring home to us?
1: Well, I actually brought some of the key components, if you'd like me to, to share them. Let's go. I have my favorite thing from Sukkot, which is an etrog. If you're listening on a podcast, I have to get it right. This is an etrog, a citron. Uh, and uh, you can see it looks a lot like a lemon, but it is not a lemon. There's a very special uh, fruit. Uh, in the Torah, it says it's a fruit from the goodly tree, from the beautiful tree. And the funny thing is, the rabbis and the Talmud debate what is it, what makes a tree beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they suggest it should be the pepper tree, because they say you can eat the bark. Uh, I don't know if there's any horticulturals out there. I don't know. Maybe you can eat the bark. They at least thought that you could. Uh, but they settle on the citron, the the uh, etrog instead.
0: Now, okay, so let's get this clear because I, I remember when I was first learning, this confused me to no end, that a citron and an etrog are two names for the same thing.
1: Well, I think citron is kind of the general category okay uh, which includes a lot of different types of fruits like oranges and uh lemons etc okay. but i think the etrog is this very specific thing it is only used it's only it's not really eaten at any other time it's only used for sukkot it's grown often in israel uh, right. mine was shipped to me as i told our kids in our religious school from eretz israel you can see right. right there uh and uh It has three things that make it very unique. Uh, First, it has two different stems. Sorry, it's going backwards here. It has a stem on the bottom here, you see, that connects to the plant and one on the top. This is for the flower. There's almost no fruits that I know of that are like that. Secondly, on the etrog tree, there are all different sizes. We were talking about the movie Oosh Pizine. And they want to get the biggest etruk. so there could right. be little small ones all on the same tree.
0: And lastly, and folks, let, me, let me let me just say for everybody, sure. if you've not seen this movie, uh, I so highly recommend this movie. It's uh, it's a movie specifically about the holiday of Sukkot. It it's a it's a comedy. It, it's very very funny, but there are also moments of deep uh, poignancy in it. It's called Ush Pazim and somebody'll have to help me help me spell that maybe ashley or somebody can look it up or find the link uh and ushpizim if i'm right rabbi that means the guests is that correct
1: yes it's traditional to to invite ushpizim historical figures and you know it comes from the in the christian bible you have that's one of the the central uh, stories about jesus on sukkot he's get visited by different characters
0: absolutely all right but back to your story about the etrog cuz i uh, so number one, uh, it's that it's many different sizes. Number two, it has two different stems. And the third the third um, aspect. Well, the, the last
1: thing is it never goes bad. It never rots, which I love. This will turn orange by next year, but it will not rot. And I don't know of any other piece of fruit that will not rot. No fruit flies with the etrog. What does it taste like? It tastes like a lemon. So you can use it in a cake. Uh, you can use it in drinks like vodka, some people put it into, but it, it's not, uh, it's just not usually used that way. It's only used for this one holiday. Uh, now, or-
0: Rabbi, now, one of the ways that it's used, and of course, this is one of my kids' favorite things, and we're lamenting the fact that we're not in Israel right now, but we walk around during this season, and it's not only the Etrog, but there are three other. Uh, elements that we're holding, and so let's start. Wow, look at you, right on cue, folks! It is show and tell with Rabbi with Rabbi Lazarus Klein. He's bringing <laughs> us back. So now this is different, everybody. We 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 studied a few weeks ago about the seven species. Okay, let's go through and see if we can remember, everybody, the seven species. I'm going to see if I can remember them. Uh, it would be the date, the myrtle. Uh the um wow, I'm the date, the myrtle, barley, uh wheat, uh, wheat, um uh olives. Is that right? Yes. Olives. Um help me out, somebody. What am I missing? Well, Miss- on, did, uh,
1: what are we missing there? We're missing uh the a fig. A fig.
0: Uh, and grapes. Did you say grapes? All right. There we go. All right. There, I'm telling you, Kristen, Harl, Elliot, you are just so on it. Oh, pomegranate. Oh, pomegranate. pomegranate we missed there that. There it was. Okay. All right. So, we, Rabbi, we should not confuse the four elements of the lulav with the seven species, because we're talking about two different things here, uh, even though there's some similarity, because one or two of those is part of the seven species. So the seven species, right? We studied this, folks, two weeks ago. Are the seven main agricultural gifts that Hashem gave to His people in Eretz Israel, in the Holy Land? These are the seven um, fruits, um, grains that grow proficiently, profusely there. And uh, hey, Sheila Witham just signed in. We blessings to you and Dan. We appreciate you both so very much, Sheila. Um, and so the seven species, if you guys remember, I held up, I went up, I ran up to my kitchen and I got the little decoration. Most, most Jewish homes somewhere have a picture, uh, you know, something on the refrigerator, something of the seven species. That's different than the four elements of the lulav that Kristen is writing in for us here right now. So Rabbi, take us through. Because this is, and folks, this is part of the brilliance of Judaism, is that prayer is tactile. There's a physicality to the prayer. For example, there is the davening, where there is the, the, the going back and forth, okay? Uh, there are the various elements that that bring our whole being into it. So this is a very specific prayer that must be done holding the species. And it's one of my kids' favorite things to go into the old city of Jerusalem and invariably there's some chabad or some somebody walking around <laughs> offering the lulav. So Rabbi, take us through it.
1: Well, first of all, do you have Palm Sunday in your tradition or is that a Catholic tradition?
0: We have Palm Sunday, but unlike the Catholics, we don't so much wave the palms. Maybe we need to bring that back. Okay, because um, it's very connected. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you see the palm, is the lulav,
1: which is the palm. That's the center. So it's first of all, I think that they loved it because look at that. I mean, can you hear that? We can. It, it's it's it sounds like rain and wind. It's just wonderful, uh, and uh, we combined the citron, which you already saw. That's sort of the heart of it, uh, with the palm branch. And we also have the myrtle, which is called Hadass. If you've heard of Hadassah, like Hadassah Hospital. Uh, so it's connected mm-hmm. to that as well. And then the willow or the arava. And those are the four species. They're not used for the same things as the set. This isn't about eating food, right. but it's a, it is directly connected to the land of Israel. Uh, And uh, this is, I would say, the oldest ritual we have for the Judeans. Uh, We don't know where it comes from, but it was a ritual about this harvest. And uh, it's one of the coolest things that we do. And I'm so blessed to have gotten this time with you uh,
0: to be able to show these important elements. And can you show what they do? Because there is there is the kind of like shaking of them in the different directions. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So basically, what we do is we take the citron, the etrog sorry, I keep getting the camera wrong here. Okay. Um, and we put it side by side with the lulav so that the four species are connected. We say a prayer, al nitilat lulav, which is on the lifting up of the lulav. And then we shake in six different directions, in front of us, behind us, to the side of us, and up and down to show that God is all around us.
0: Beautiful, 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 beautiful. And, and of course, it's something that kids, because there's the sound to it, there's the physicality to it. They love to participate. They love to, to see that happen. It becomes part of the memory you know, for them in, in the midst of that, which is just so, so beautiful. Uh, Rabbi, uh, talk to us a little bit about um, building the sukkah, eating out in the sukkah. You know, wh- what what kind of spiritual lessons uh, come along with being in the sukkah in, in this season?
1: Well, I think you really put it perfectly in your introduction when you talked about the intransience of life. Mm-hmm. And how we have to find joy. You're at a wedding. At a right. wedding, at a Jewish wedding, we have a chuppah, which is the wedding, the marriage canopy. And right. that's an intransient thing, as I tell couples uh, when they have their celebration. Like I had one just a couple days ago uh, that here, even in the space that could be blown away in our Western New York uh, October at any moment or September we right now. Uh, we still have to find a joy, and we know that we have each other. You know, the wedding couple has mm-hmm. each other, no matter where, what their home looks like. Right. Um, it also reminds us of our ancestors traveling through the wilderness. They didn't have a permanent home, they were refugees, and they longed for a permanent home, but they found something of permanence through their su through building the Sukkot, their Sukkahs.
0: Well, and we could go in several directions on that, and 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 I want to just for a moment share on that. Let me just say I see some more folks signing in. Folks, if you could help me right now by hitting the share button, I'd appreciate it so much. We're growing the movement of Jerusalem-based Christianity, a Christianity that is profoundly embedded in the Jewish identity of Jesus, the Jewish identity of the Apostle Paul, and the early followers of Yeshua who would not have seen themselves as Christians, but would have seen themselves as within the scope of God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we are standing in solidarity and in friendship with uh, the Jewish people and with the state of Israel. And I I do have to, we don't want to in the middle of this beautiful happy holiday get political, but we have to uh, rejoice Uh, that the U.S. has passed the Iron Dome legislation uh, that will once again... I know that I've been in Israel where at times where Israel's had to defend itself. And um, uh, the incredible uh, technology of the Iron Dome uh, goes so far to keep Israeli families safe. By the way, all Israeli families, uh, Jewish, Arab, Druze, uh, all of the various... um, uh, ethnicities that live in Israel. The Iron Dome protects them. Um, and we, we, you know, we we look at the nine uh, legislators who chose not to vote uh, in that direction. Uh, we're thankful that it was only nine and we will work hard to make sure that that number stays very low because we believe that the uh, absolute friendship and solidarity between America and Israel is is so very, very crucial at this time. But the other thing, Rabbi, that I do think it's important for us to touch on um, is, uh, and again, we don't want to wade into politics in the middle of, of of the holiday. But past the politics of the situation, our hearts must break for the refugees that we see right now. It seems from everywhere we have the those who are trying to escape Afghanistan. Uh, we have the refugees and the immigrants from our southern border, and then also. Uh, from Haiti, uh, and it's it's such a moment of of, of incredible need, um, and I'm I'm brought back to one of the most foundational um, texts in Judaism, which says, "Remember, you were foreigners in Egypt. You were strangers. You were the outsider. So you must open your heart. You must open uh, your soul." Uh, And certainly we can have robust discussion and debate on the best methodology for that. Um, But all of us in this nation that is so blessed, our hearts must be touched with compassion uh, for those who are going through incredible suffering, fleeing the heinous tyranny, uh, violent tyranny of the Taliban, uh, the tragedies in Haiti, and the ongoing challenges in Latin America. Rabbi, what say you?
1: Well, first of all, we're my wife has been planning to try to help the Afghani uh, refugees that are coming here uh, to Buffalo. Our Jewish Family Service uh, is preparing steadily. I think we're going to get four hundred refugees locally, uh, and uh, my wife has uh, been telling me uh, about plans to to uh, put together an apartment for one of the families. Uh, surely.
0: Rabbi, would you please, please let the Tabernacle know how we can be involved? We as the Tabernacle will make a commitment uh, that we want to be involved in helping any way that we can.
1: Well, we would love it. Uh, our Jewish Family Service is one of the five uh, resettlement agencies in Buffalo. And uh, I think it's a combined effort to settle. I think there might be a couple thousand that are coming. I can't remember the exact numbers. Uh, Molly Carr at our Jewish Family Service can be very helpful, and we would love your support definitely.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But back to the uh, your sense of these tragedies in the midst of 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 the season of of Tabernacles.
1: Well, I think you mentioned the Iron Dome. Uh, when we talk about uh, a sukkah, it's mm-hmm. an actual place, but it's also a feeling of safety. We say wow. Shalom a uh, dwelling place of peace. And when you talk about the refugees or the Iron Dome, it's about feeling safe. I remember in 2015, sitting uh, side by side with your friend Perry Netter in Mm -hmm. Israel, we were there, uh, was when we saw the Iron Dome in action. Uh, It was uh, was quite something. Uh, And uh, I think Um, finding a way to feel at peace in a really challenging Mm -hmm. world sometimes Mm -hmm. uh, and whatever we can do. It's the human intervention. It's godly intervention uh, to try to create safety. Um, And what better symbol
0: than the Sukkah? Yeah, beautiful. Well, folks, we're having an incredible night here in the middle of Sukkot. Um, I, I love to be in Israel during this time. Um, Rabbi, we have just a few minutes left. Our time always just slips away. But bring us to one of the final kind of crowning joys of this uh, holiday, which is, of course, Simchat Torah of of this feast, Is Simchat Torah. And uh, so explain to us Simchat Torah and what happens. Uh, It's the final day of the, it's the final day, I think, right? The last day or the second last day. Take us through Simchat Torah because it's, Again, a feast within a feast.
1: Well, the Sukkot holiday will be completing, but we have kind of these additional holidays. You and I spoke before about Shemini at Sarat, this eighth special eighth day. Right. And then we have a holiday called Simchat Torah, uh, which for Reform Reconstructionist congregation like myself, we celebrate on Tuesday this coming week. And many other Orthodox and conservative congregations celebrate on Wednesday. Uh, this is a holiday, which is very joyful. We finally put an end to the end of Deuteronomy with Zod ha-bracha, uh, Moses's very final few paragraphs. And then we start the book of Genesis again. And it involves rolling the Torah. And the, the favorite part of it, probably what your producer likes, is we dance out on the streets. Right. So in Jerusalem, all night long, people will be dancing, passing around the Torah, Unfortunately, because we're in a pandemic, uh, we're having to think creatively. So we're doing a tour of the Torah from uh, we have five different Torahs and people are going to be able to l- walk around and at least see them. We're not going to be able to dance in the same way that
0: we normally would. But literally, it's something to see in Israel that they, they hundreds of people will walk outside and in the streets, hold up the Torah, dance around the Torah uh, with such joy. Um, and, and Rabbi I said I, uh, Shabbat dinner Friday night um, it, it is just mind-blowing uh, that the Jewish people have been reading the the word of Hashem out loud in community for thousands of years. I mean it is just extraordinary to us this, Christians read the Bible, um, but most of us read it individually and devotionally. Uh, we do have public reading of Scripture, but not in that same way. Rabbi, when would when it was was the actual beginning of the Parsha? I mean, I'd, obviously the reading of the Torah goes back to to its giving, but did the delineation come? Is that is that from the Babylonian exile? when in history do we know that the reading of the Parsha began with its regularity in that sense?
1: Well, we know from, from Ezra, Nehemiah or Nehemiah uh, Rahab, right. uh, how Ezra read publicly for the very first time. Remember, most people were illiterate at that time, and a lot of what we see was an advance in technology. Writing was becoming, and parchment was becoming much more advanced. And so this was a whole new thing. Uh, the Torah is a crowning achievement, not not just uh, be for, because of all the lessons, but it's a crowning achievement in literature, right. and it really uh, in what human beings can communicate through the ages. Uh, so it's quite incredible, and it's wonderful to be able to celebrate. Uh, in terms of the actual books, until you know that that comes later when they had books. You know they didn't have books back then. So right. they had right. scrolls. That's right.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and of course, still today, you you uh, you know the synagogues uh, have the scrolls, and this is one of the great joys and 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 so beautiful to see. What is the name of the um, the, the those who are trained to write? Is it Sefer, Seferot? That, that are trained uh, sofer.
1: to uh-huh. sofer? If you go on top of Masada, you'll see the sofer right.
0: working there. Right. Right. Fantastic. Well, folks, um, just an amazing night together here in the midst of the time where we have to be happy only happiness allowed during this feast so but tonight we have had the incredible privilege of uh being with this amazing rabbi rabbi lazarus klein and rabbi as you take us out just give us some final thoughts for sukkot we're coming into the last you know few days and then we come into simkat torah just just bring us out with some final inspiration <laughs>
1: Well, we're halfway there. And as you said, this is the time of joy. It's been really hard during the pandemic uh, for us to feel full joy. uh, But we need to because just being alive, just being able to talk with you today is so joyful. And I feel very inspired. So thank you so much for having me, really.
0: It's always, always, sincerely our privilege and joy. And Rabbi, we never want to do anything that's uncomfortable, but for folks who are local, because, you know, many of our folks are and you are, uh, are they are they able to drop in occasionally at a service to, to if they've never experienced a service? Sure. We've we've had uh,
1: pe- parishioners of yours who've come. They can come anytime. Uh, we have many Christians that come to our services and people of various religions. It's open. Uh, only on High Holy Days do we have ticket collecting. Every right. other time, uh, you might want to, because of the pandemic and security that we have, you might want
0: to call uh, ahead, email me or call me directly. Yes, yeah, just one to minute. give a heads up. Folks, it's been a joy to be together. I thank God for each and every one of you. You're such a special part of this family. And what a joy we have, what a privilege we have at this moment in history, uh, this moment that has seen the rebirth of the state of Israel The regathering of the exiles from 106 nations of the world, the rebirth of spoken Hebrew, uh, the reunification of the city of Jerusalem, the recognition of that capital by the United States, uh, the Abraham Accords beginning to bring beautiful harmony between Israel and her Muslim uh, forward thinking, modern thinking neighbors, There is much to rejoice in, even in the midst of the instability, even in the midst of the difficulty. There is much to rejoice in. And Rabbi has helped us to find that and to see that tonight. So thank you all, each and every one of you, for being here. Uh, Hag Sameach, as we say. Uh, Happy Sukkot, Hag Sameach. And uh, remember, everybody, keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for joining us today If you want to learn more about Eagles Wings Or become a partner to advance this global movement Visit www.eagleswings.org Make sure you're following along on Facebook At Robert Stearns And Instagram at Dr. Robert Stearns To stay up to date and get the latest on everything that is happening Until next time Blessings and keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem